This is a Federal News Network podcast. The world of procurement of last week has been dropped into a blender. A year-long continuing resolution is now a distinct possibility. The Defense Department has upended the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, and other transaction authority buys are spreading like wildfire. Tom Temin got an assessment when he spoke with federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And Larry, it's been a long time since there has been a year-long continuing resolution. Now that is a distinct possibility back on the table here with everything going on in Congress. What does that look like from a contracting standpoint, and how should contractors react to it? Tom, I think the idea of a year-long CR, whether you're a contractor or a federal agency, is not, to put it mildly, something to look forward to. You look at the Department of Defense as maybe the biggest poster child They're estimating that a year-long CR could reduce their spending abilities by $37 billion. That hurts things like new weapons development, training, and readiness. In fact, we've seen Pentagon leaders express concerns over longer-term CRs in the past on training and readiness. So right away, that's an immediate hit for uh, the Department of Defense, but it goes beyond that. So if you're a contractor that's trying to break into this market, it's going to be more difficult to do because there aren't going to be a lot of new projects for you to compete for. Agencies are primarily going to be able to just keep doing what they've been doing. If you're an incumbent contractor, you're going to be able to mostly keep the business that you have, but you may not be able to pursue a lot of new business. So you're slightly better off. But if you think about a year-long CR and put it in the context of the administration's plan to drive increased small minority business use, this really isn't going to help you. It's not going to get it done. There simply aren't going to be enough net new projects out there to be competed or given to uh, small minority businesses when you have a a year-long continuing resolution. It really sets the entire government back. Uh, We're open for business, but it's really kind of uh, under a yellow flag. We're not We're not racing under green. Right. And so then the idea of starting anything new, as you pointed out, is pretty much kaput. Can primes change subs during a CR? I think that in some circumstances, Tom, they can. It kind of depends on how the contract is written. But if you have a subcontractor that uh, isn't performing or if you have a subcontractor uh, whose labor rates uh, have gone out of whack with what the market will bear. Maybe you just want to try to find something more competitive so that the prime contractor can have somewhat better of an outcome for itself. If the contract allows for that type of replacement, then you certainly can do that. But a contractor, prime contractor is probably going to have to have a good business case as to why they do that. And at a minimum, you're not going to really be able to say, well, I'm replacing this small contractor with somebody who doesn't have the same designation or maybe has no socioeconomic designation at all other than size. Interesting, because if it goes a full year, the question is at the end of this fiscal year, will they be able to get 2023 done? <laughs> no way. Of course, we already know the answer to that. We could have FY24 starting under a continuing resolution or FY23, starting under a continuing resolution based on FY21 spending. It just self-perpetuates. And of course, next year, Tom, we'd be looking right in the middle of the congressional election cycle, which shortens timeframes, raises uh, animosity and uh, party loyalty. 
uh, which is already at or near an all-time high for modern times. So we hope that Congress can reach some deals if they need to strip some policy riders to get these bills uh, passed. That's what they're going to need to do. Uh, we need to have appropriations. Uh, we need to have them as soon as Congress can get to them. Uh, that makes a better government. That makes better for national security, better for the agencies, and it's better for small businesses. We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And you're also talking about this week other transaction authorities. This is something that's becoming a wildly popular tool for agencies to get the prototypes and innovations into the agencies. There's some wrinkles in it, though, these days. Um, there are some wrinkles in other transaction authority, and it's not new. I think it's remarkable now for a couple of reasons. One, the most recent full year numbers we have show that in uh, FY20, the Department of Defense alone did over $16 billion in OTAs. And the projection is that once the final FY21 numbers are out, they're gonna be even larger than 16.1 billion. So clearly this is a growing part of how DOD and other federal agencies acquire the goods and services they need. The other thing that I think makes OTAs worth talking about now is the realization that most people have always considered OTAs to be for prototypes, for things that are new. And indeed, that's the genesis of the OTA program. But there's also this other angle to it, Tom, and that is you could use a commercial solution and combine it with a prototype, or maybe even something like an existing weapon system. And so long as that commercial system hadn't been used on that uh, underlying system before, it hadn't been used, maybe it's an existing technology that you're using in a different way, or it's being put into a different overall system than it has never been used for before, that could classify as an OTA acquisition too. So I think that really drives home the fact that there's a lot of flexibility here. Certainly there's a lot of oversight and we have agency inspectors general as well as the GAO people looking at how OTAs are used. So we have to be careful about this authority. Sure. On the flip side, on the day-to-day -day side though, there's more flexibility in this program than I think even experienced contractors realize. Basically, you're saying then that the recombination of existing technologies or products into new configurations, new integrations could qualify for OTA. It could. And I think that that's news to people who maybe feel like they can only use OTAs if they're developing something entirely new out of whole cloth. And at $16 billion at DOD, that makes OTA spending on the scale of the GSA schedules. Right. And I think we're going to see more and more OTA spending, maybe in the area that we talked about here. We also know that OTA uh, projects have the ability to go through first run production of new technologies. Uh, so there's an awful lot to say here. And on top of that, Tom, the flip side is, we have the retiring vice chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff talking about essentially how frustrated he is in the incremental progress being made to improve regular DOD acquisition. If you've got a roadblock on the main highway for acquisition, you're going to be looking for side roads to get your missions done. OTAs, Tom, are increasingly the side road of choice. And finally, do you think life will be easier 
for small businesses now that the CMMC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, has been pretty much flattened down to only three levels, and now you can just attest to the government, hey, I'm secure. Tom, I think that this is a well-needed piece of common sense being injected into first DOD procurement, but then it will have a ripple effect throughout government because we know that other agencies were looking at creating their own CMMC programs. And what the Department of Defense did in announcing what they called CMMC 2.0 is really tell the bulk of its industrial base, the companies that have nothing to do with national security projects, the companies that are supplying commercial software, they're providing furniture, they're providing unclassified professional services. All of these companies had been looking at uh, the prospect of a six or seven figure audit to attest to the security of their cyber systems. Now, as you mentioned, if you're not handling classified information, if you're not handling, uh, if you're only handling standard issue federal contract information, you don't have to go through that third party audit. You can self-certify. That's a huge reduction in cost, particularly on small businesses, but on any business that's selling a commercial off the shelf solution to the Department of Defense. Uh, Good news, good news at a time when we don't get a lot of good news. Let's see if we can keep this going. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. And you can hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And 
you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. Uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. 
uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.